Hello and welcome to episode number 40 of the Connect2 podcast. My name is Jeff Cullen. And I'm Mark Hughes. Marcus. Hello, Jeff. How's it going? It's going good. We um, Those munchy sounds are are some very delicious apple strudel. Very delicious apple strudel. Yes. Yes. Yep. So you took a week off and war broke out in Ukraine. I told you not to go to Vancouver. Man, what a mistake. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, um, uh, unfortunately, we, we had pre-recorded our previous episode before I left. But um, wow, mm. lots of changes in a pretty short period of time. Um, if you're new to the podcast, uh, please uh, rate, review, subscribe. Um, especially on Apple, Apple podcast, it helps us get found. Um, do we have anything in the mailbag? Just more propaganda, more propaganda. Today, we're going back to a coffee that we had tried previously. Oh, is that right? It was, um, it was a, um, a Guatemalan. Oh yes. I remember this is good. The one with the downer story. Mm. But the great, great coffee. All things relative. Exactly. So it is, um, it's from Drum Roaster Coffee mm. in Cobble Hill, British Columbia, which is, uh, which is actually on Vancouver Island. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I was in Vancouver. I'm going, hey, I'll check this out, see if we can pick up some more. Um, I was in the wrong place. So uh, definitely, um, they may have places in Vancouver, but I didn't spend that much time trying to look it up. But uh, it is an incredible coffee. Like, it's really good. How was your time in Vancouver? It was really nice. Yeah, yeah, and it was sunny the whole week. It was amazing. It's not a common thing in Vancouver. That's true, especially in the winter. Yeah, that's true. So you really lucked out. Good yeah. for you. Well, you you kind of deserved it. So, yeah. How's <laughs> Laura? How's your wife? How was her week? She's good. She's yeah. good. Yeah. And we had this. Uh, you know, we were talking about you know, getting older and my wife said, you know, my wife was commenting about how things didn't, you know, was hard on women. And I said, well, you know, you know, with men, when they get older, it's, we're like a fine wine. We get better with age. But the next day she tried to lock me in a cellar. I know. <laughs> but boom. boom. <laughs> yeah. There's my dad joke. That's a bold statement. Anytime. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway. So, what did you learn this week? <sighs> well, I learned uh, I learned a fascinating thing. Um, so, I've been reading a lot about, and I know we're supposed to be keeping everything always positive here, but I've been reading a lot and following an economist and a, an author, kind of how the shifting world order uh, concept, you know, and then Ray Dalio just has a new book out called... Uh, how to adjust to the shifting world order. So Ray Dalio being, of course, uh, the founder of uh, the world's biggest hedge fund and a guy who really likes to deconstruct models and figure out how things work by looking at lots of data and finding patterns. And so it's really yeah. quite a fascinating book. <clears throat> but as listening to this economist, he's talking about China. And um, he was saying how when he was a little boy in the 1950s, he was taught in school that the Chinese were evil and that they didn't, they, they did not value human life. He's talking about this. He goes, yeah, I never really believed it because you know, I wasn't paying attention. Well, He's talking if, about well, that. If you, if you look at the old uh, Tintin. Yeah. There's lots of 
allusions to that as well. But then he, he was quoting COVID-19 uh, numbers from the World Health Organization. So caveat that, yes, <clears throat> it's always a question, but order of magnitude stuff, right? Uh, United States, 36, 360 million people. He's talking about how China is is really rising, right? So 360 million people, 57 million recorded cases of COVID right. by the World Health Organization, uh, 800,000 plus deaths, right? That's a lot. According to the World Health Organization, China, over a billion people, 133,000 cases, 5,700 deaths. Yeah. But now, I, questionable, I, obviously. I, apparently, the best way to... to sift the wheat from the chaff with this yeah is you look at excess deaths so you look at mm. what was the death rate before right and what would be the expected death rate and then how has it changed since covid um and the numbers in the states are quite a bit higher yeah in terms of deaths okay as well as uh in china is is as well so but i do think that china has really taken an incredibly aggressive um attack on covid yeah and the people they they govern yes uh, in the process i mean it's no it's no walk in the park but, but they've they've been they've been pretty adamant about taking a much more aggressive approach than the american laissez-faire yeah. i mean there's still americans there's so many of them that are not vaccinated it's I know. just astonishing so. well and oh, happy remove all restrictions in alberta day yeah so when we're recording it's march 1st uh, <laughs> our uh, our our government has decided that we don't need to have any real no more restrictions, restrictions required anything. even though the rates are higher than we put the restrictions in place. of course so i was thinking of actually walking around maybe going to the mall later and and let my junk hang out and when if somebody calls me out i'll just say they removed all restrictions in Alberta. And then they'll say that those are the COVID restrictions. Oh, <laughs> sorry. No, not the clothing <laughs> restrictions. Exactly. All restrictions have now been removed. It's, it's like the purge. Do whatever you want. No, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, 2022, you know, <laughs> I mean, really? Exactly. Like what's next? I, I dare not ask. Exactly. Um, well, uh, there's a few things that I learned. Okay, yes. Uh, one is Putin has an unusual walk. Okay, tell me about this. So uh, apparently when he walks, and so normally when somebody walks with a stride, they their their arms swing. I think I've heard counter about Counter to the foot that goes out. That's, right, uh, that's right, pretty, right, right. pretty common. Yes. With um, Putin... Um, he only does that with his left hand. His right hand is always to the side. Yes, I did hear about this, but I can't remember what it's so about. Apparently, so it's it's apparently not an illness. Okay. Although, you know, there's lots of rumors. A mental apparently, illness, perhaps? Well, he's been doing this pretty much all his life. Mm -hmm. And what it is, apparently, is um, he's former KGB. So yes. the KGB are taught... To walk in this manner so that they can easily get at their arm armaments. 
Right. And uh, so, uh, so it, whether it's concealed under their jacket or it's at their side, so they always have, so they're always ready to go. Sure. And in fact, in his inner circle, there are several other people who have a similar walk. Right. And um, they're all ex-KGB as well, or military. So, wow. Uh, so it, um, yeah, so he has this unusual walk. I mean, he does all kinds of things, like apparently, you know, especially now with, everything going on well, i've heard he's just... he's gone com- i mean obviously he's gone insane but have you seen the table that he sits at now yeah, the, the, i got an interesting story on the way. table it's like wow so the other thing i learned is uh there's these these glass drops that have been around for about 500 years they're called prince rupert drops mm, i've heard about so this. you basically uh a glass maker if they drop um off of their glass rod, that's superheated uh-huh. glass into water. It makes this curly cue right, right. thing. Yep. And um, you can hit it with a hammer and nothing will happen to it. Really? Like incredibly strong. Okay. But if you snip the tail, uh-huh. um, it, the whole thing shatters and explodes. Wow. Yeah. And they're called because point stripper like dots. Uh, so it's basically... Tension it's in co- the glass. It's a combination of compressive forces... Uh, in the glass as well as tension so okay. uh, so it's it's uh it's um it's well known it's been around for a long time but it's quite interesting that it's actually uh um it took him a long time to figure out exactly why why or how it, it was happened. working so yeah. the, so the exterior of the the drop is in super compressive okay um tension and where it, and, and in the dead center it's in tension and that combination allows it to exist but it's under enormous strain so wow so anyway that's kind of cool oh so this is not related to putin that that however is not related to oh putin. thought it was no the next thing is. <laughs> i was gonna say by the way i think i just figured out why the, the ussr ultimately lost if if you have this so the kgb was their secret police right right it's like we are KGB. We have special walk. <laughs> I'm not sure that's such a good thing for the secret. Exactly. Are you KGB? No. No. How did you guess? <laughs> yeah. You, you walk funny. You walk huh? funny. <laughs> what do you mean I walk funny? <laughs> exactly. That might have been that might have been the problem. It might have been the problem. So <laughs> the third thing I learned is related directly to the war in Ukraine. Okay. Right and specifically it's why it's how the Ukrainian um, the Ukrainian side has been so successful in terms of getting support. Okay, it's basically the marketing, the resistance for the Ukrainians, and right. and and they have done a whole bunch of things. There's ten things that they've done. Okay, that are astonishing. And if you look at it, you can go, oh, I've seen that. I understand right. that. So the first thing they did was. Um, and, and I got this list from a thread on Twitter and I wanted to try and give credit to who it was, but I couldn't find this guy again. This is the problem sometimes with tra- uh, yeah, Twitter, right. unless you retweeted it or something. You, yeah. Um, but, uh, they did this thing called pre-bunking, which is basically, um, preparing people for what was coming. So they kept talking about the Russians are building up, that there is about yeah. to be a war and they had pictures and like there was a satellite imagery there was pictures of them uh, at the side of the road before sure. they moved in so everybody yeah. was aware that something was brewing right um they've done um a lot of identification of heroism so examples mm. of early stories of success yep. and 
failure of the Russians and success of yeah, guy who um, blew up the bridge, thirteen guys on the island who well that's out, that's number killed. three. Those that's the martyrs. So they've oh, they've okay. highlighted martyrs in particular. Right. So Snake Island, they had thirteen people, and they identified that there were thirteen people, and they they had they had uh, video, certainly audio of them basically telling the Russians to go piss off. Yes. And um, keeping it clean on connect Two podcast. Yeah. They did yeah. not use. Uh, <laughs> right. On. And, um, and, and they had told them to go do something to themselves. And um, the Russians claimed there were 2000 people on the Island and they had killed them all. Um, and the Ukrainians said there was really actually only 13 and they, they battled till the end. Um, it turns out, there is a story that's come out that, in fact, they've been captured. Right. So they're not actually dead, but they're still heroes. Sure. Um, and then there's a bridge sapper who was uh, laying mines on a bridge. Right. And yeah. so, again, these are identifying people who are willing to, to stand in the face of an overwhelming power. Yep. Zelensky has been also, for number four, he's been presented as a man of the people. So yes. while, uh, you know... Um, Putin is showing up in big rooms with giant tables and Rococo yeah. on the wall. Uh, Zelensky is uh, having coffee with troops, dining with troops. He's showing he's showing that he's there. Um, Speaking on a T-shirt and haggard. I know. And he is basically, I mean, he's absolutely winning the social media war for absolutely. sure. He's, he's galvanized the Ukrainian people unbelievably. Yep. He's getting incredible support from the West. He's getting funding. He's getting political support. You know, comments like, I need ammunition, not a ride. That's right. That's pretty powerful stuff. John McClane. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, they've also, number five, is they've identified and highlighted uh, examples of civilian harm. I, right. Unexploded missiles next to playground sets, um, next to hospitals. Yeah. I mean, those are incredibly well, that powerful. That six-year-old little girl that was killed. Yeah, you know, just terrible. I mean, this is all. It, it uh, it's hard to ignore, right? They've highlighted number six: civilian resistance, examples of civilians, grandmothers giving sunflower seeds right. to the Russians, mm -hmm. so that you know when they die, that their sunflowers will grow. Um, uh, the identification that they're arming everyday people Everybody. with guns yep. and that they are producing Molotov cocktails. This is all civilian resistance. Yep. Number seven is uh, bandwagoning, where they're basically trying to say, you know, so-and-so is supporting, you should support as well. So, so Zelensky has been thanking each individual um prime minister or president from each country right. identifying Absolutely. their contribution, how much they appreciate it. And that is kind of putting pressure on the other guys. That's right. Was it, was it, uh, uh, Uzbekistan or Kazakhstan that, that said, now we're good because Putin asked them to send additional troops to back up the Russians. And they were like, yet <laughs> i don't know i yeah i, I haven't think, heard that so, yeah so, this but, is a few days ago but there's a lot, a lot now, belarus apparently is thinking of sending troops and i think how stupid do you have to be to be the president of belarus right oh, now man. and look at all this and they're like everybody hates the russians let's join them yeah let's join them <laughs> exactly we do want to be shut out of every global thing <laughs> exactly who needs soccer anyway yeah or being part of swift we are, we are Belarus. Exactly. I don't know. I don't get it. 
So. I don't get it either. Um, so there's three more. Um, eight is the humanizing. So they're doing things to humanize people. So when you see people in shelter, there has been a highlighting of people with their cats and with their dogs, you know, humanizing that sure, this is a absolutely. very, very... Uh, it's the first social media war, right? And then there's been this thing where they've done the, the 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 guy was identifying as card stacking, where basically they're showing like win after win after win, where basically they've blown up a Russian tank, and then they, you know, little individual wins, right? And they're just you know layering them one at a time on yep. top of each other. And the last one is making fun of Putin. <laughs> so they've on social media they've got all kinds of jokes going around uh, from Ukraine. And um, uh, they actually did a mock-up of a table from Ikea called the Putin that's incredibly long. <laughs> okay, that's great. <laughs> because, so Putin has, uh, and it, this table first showed up in his meeting with Macron. It's just this crazy long I table. I know. Apparently, Putin is deathly afraid of COVID-19. And so he keeps Why everybody he get vaccinated. Everybody, <laughs> well, he may. the The Soviet uh, vaccination is a more conventional one, so it doesn't right. actually work all that great against yeah. the variants. Yeah. But um, Russian vaccine, best vaccine. Apparently, is terrified of it. Yeah. So um, anyway, so that's well, I'm sure he's terrified also of uh, Olegev. Is that a pistol in your pocket? Or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> yeah. Well, These oligarchs are, are well, it's the, all fun and games until all your money's frozen and they kick your kid out of uh, the Sorbonne. Well, but I, I, your I, villa. I watched, uh, <laughs> or uh, we listened, I listened to an audiobook. Um, it's called Red Notice from Bill Breyer. Okay. Bill Brower. Brower. Um, anyway, he had made a ton of money on the Russian stock market initially. Right. And he, um, at, at one point in time, he got so uh, successful that he drew the ire of Putin. Oh. And basically, they deported oh, yeah. him. And I his lawyer, about this guy. his lawyer um, was named uh, Magnetsky, which is the, the name of the act that they put in place in yes. a bunch of different countries. Right. That's all been bill brower's vendetta so he right, made a ton right, of money right. he did really well but you know he, he lost a lot in the in the expulsion process right but um he has made it his job to try and make it difficult his his belief and, and i've read this from other sources as well yeah is that the oligarchs aren't they're never going to turn on putin because that's not their relationship so putin has a lot of money but rather than have the money in his own name what he does is mm. he puts it in all the oligarchs name that's right this and he they, controls the most money of any any human in history and the catch is it that they basically exist at his pleasure and if they don't or if they try and turn on him they're gone well and, uh, but at, at this point <clears throat> it may I don't change know, right a two brute you know yeah uh, no i totally I mean who knows what's going on behind the scenes it's insane but it's uh totally but crazy. the power relationship is such that that putin enables these guys oh sure and, absolutely uh, and if he doesn't they're gone so it's unlikely that they'll turn on him I, but the people will i don't definitely. see how this ends well for him though like 
I mean, it well, could. Well, I mean, who knows what's going to happen in a week's time when we meet again? That's right. Like, you know, mate, but it's the, such an overextension. I mean, this is like 2020 know? part two. Oh, man. Because, oh, my God. Like, it's, it's just I, I want my 90-day refund. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, wow. So that's some good stuff. So that's, yeah. So that's, uh, that's, uh, that's 10 things uh, or 10 reasons why the... Uh, the Ukrainians are incredibly, and and uh, who knows what it's going to be like in a week's time. Who knows it was going to be in a day's time. Wow. But um, we'll be lucky if we, uh, you know, it's all fun and games until someone launches a nuclear weapon. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, that could be really bad. I mean, I remember when I was, uh, up until, up until the Berlin Wall down. Yeah. Yeah, the Berlin we, Wall we, down. It was, it was like constant fear that there was yep. going to be nuclear war. That's right. And um, so we've had, you know, what? 30 good years of 32 good years of, of relative peace. Yay. Oh, you know, it was bound to happen. <laughs> well, I remember um, in, <laughs> I think it was 1987 or 88. So before that happened, um, I was uh, in Toronto. I was living in Toronto. And uh, my fiance at that time, uh, she uh, she was living in it somewhere else. And uh, I... Um, about five o'clock in the morning, all the air raid mm. sirens started going off. I remember you told us the story, yeah. And um, I thought that was the end of it. I thought, <laughs> so I was just sitting there, you know, lying in bed, eyes wide open. I'm going like, holy smokes. Holy smokes. These are my last moments. And right. um, nah, you probably would have just been in the radiation. Uh... I was in Toronto. So. Oh, yeah, I guess. And um, yeah, it was not good. Well, we're, we're a little all over the place, but uh, I got to figure the oil sands are a strategic target for the Russians. Yeah. Like, you know, why bomb Edmonton? Well, they would bomb, the, take out the, they would take bomb out. like Fort Saskatchewan, like where the, where the, and there was one point in time. the Well, when they bomb the, the, the oil sands themselves, you make that radioactive, you can't get the oil out. Yeah. But if you, if you, they can't get the oil out if they can't put it in a pipeline, right? I suppose. Who knows? Yeah, and Texas. Yeah, it's it's hooray. Anyways, um, let's talk about our first jobs now. <laughs> let's take it to a, let's a take more, it to a more, a more sunny, uh, sunny an entertaining, a, a simpler time, a happier time. So, tell me a funny story about your first job. Yeah, I have two actually. Uh, so, first job, eleven years old. Uh, you know, which 11, 11. is that legal to be hired at 11? Well, it demonstrates that when you grew up a kid in the late seventies and eighties, it's a different world, right? So yeah. I had a friend of mine who you had to shoot lawn darts. At each other. Exactly. So, uh, my best friend had a, a paper route Okay. and, uh, they were going away. I can't remember where, but they were going away for three months or something. And he asked me if I'd take over the paper route. And so I said, sure. Sounds good. And, uh, which was kind of neat because I didn't just take it over like, and, and, not tell anybody like I met his boss and basically I so officially was hired to replace him, you know, for the summer. And, uh, it was the, uh, Le Journal de Montréal, which is sort of like the Edmonton sun, you know, the more populist, uh, broadsheet type thing. Yep. And I think I had a hundred papers to deliver. And, uh, so I remember two, two particularly, uh, noteworthy, uh, occurrences. The first one was, so you had to collect, so this is way back before there's no internet, there's no, no, no. credit cards. Yeah, yeah, you had to collect. Right? And you could either collect and by sometimes you get tips. Sometimes, yeah. So every two weeks I had to collect. And the the standard was sort of an envelope. People would just put their money in the envelope and leave it in their mailbox, right? 
but it was always that small number of people who forgot forgot or you had to go and hassle them right so the first time i need to go collect uh, it's a saturday afternoon because i'm not going to knock on people's doors at five in the morning and part of my route was uh, a series of row houses in so i grew up in a suburb of montreal right so pretty middle class but we had this part of town that was a little bit less advantage right it was these row houses and mm-hmm. and uh so it's like two in the afternoon and it's a particular apartment and I knock on the door and nothing, right? So I knock again. And after a minute or two, I hear like shuffling around and I'm 11, right? This door opens up and it's a guy in his underwear and his, he's looking, his hair's all disheveled and he's looking kind of hungover, you know? And he's like, what do you want? You know, this is all in French, right? And I'm like, I'm here to collect for the paper, right? You owe me like 1350 or whatever. So he calls out this woman's name, Jeanette or Janine or whatever, you know, bring me my wallet. So I'm standing there. He's standing in front of me. This woman comes around the corner and she's wearing like a, a bathrobe and nothing else. And it's completely open. And I'm suddenly distracted by this naked woman standing there, you know? And I mean, my, obviously my jaw must've dropped open. And so he turns around and he realizes, holy shit, my wife, girlfriend, whatever's naked. And there's this kid standing there. Right. So he turns back to me and I'm looking at him and he's looking at me and I was like, pay me next week. And he's like, yep. Slams the door <laughs> shut. <laughs> and I walked away and I was like, wow. What just happened? What was that? So that was the first one. Uh, the other one was uh, involving a dog. So there was a house. So my route was pretty big. So quite a way far away from the, these tenements, there was a, a, a house. And the first time I went to deliver, I had to sort of, go through the garden gate and there's a little sidewalk. Mm-hmm. And so I'm walking up to the front door. It's like five in the morning and this freaking dog comes running around the corner and it's not as big as Indy, but a, a good size, you know, maybe like a 60 pound dog. I don't remember what breed, but just barking and snarling. Right. So I am of course terrified and the dog hits the end of its chain and like clotheslines itself, <laughs> you know, and, and it can't reach me. So it's just barking. At me. I'm on the sidewalk and I'm like, ah, you know, ha ha, right? <laughs> Having this famous, heart attack. Famous last words. So, <laughs> so for a couple of weeks, I'm doing this every morning. Sometimes the dog is there. Sometimes it's not. When it's there, same shtick comes running around the corner. But I'm sticking to the far side and it can't reach me, right? You know, so one day I come in and I hop over. The dog comes rolling around, hits the end of this chain, and the chain snaps. <laughs> The dog goes flying about six feet, like lands on its back, right? Pops up. And I swear to God, it was like the dog was like surprised. And it's looking at me and I'm looking at it. And you're surprised too. And it then it realizes, holy shit, I got no chain, right? I and I realized, you. holy shit, it's got no chain. So I took off, jumped over that gate and the damn thing chased me like a half a block. Like I'm just running. This bag of newspapers, right? Um, it didn't catch me. I don't know. I probably just got bored or whatever. But anyways, I had to deliver a letter. And I'm like, if your damn dog's out, I'm not delivering papers anymore. But I'm never going to forget that. It, I've never seen a dog look so surprised as it stood up and it realized. It's kind of looked around and went like, what's, what's going on? And it was like, oh, you're still here. And I'm like, not for long. <laughs> so that I did that till like back to school. My friend came back. And then uh, 
but that was fun, you know, 11. But yeah, I think about that. Like my thinking about my 11 year old now, well, he's 12, but sending him out to collect money into our town, it'd be like nuts, right? You would never do that. But yeah, it's a different time. Yeah. Well, and they did for years, paper routes was one of the few exceptions where you could hire people that were young. Yeah. Now. Oh, yeah. 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 Interesting. Fun stuff. What That's about you? Well, uh, one of my first jobs, so I was 14 at the time. Um, and I discovered something profoundly, uh, particular to me that is that, uh, I have a really hard time, okay. uh, understanding, um, like people talking on a walkie talkie. Oh, interesting. So, um, so, you know, and so often you'll see these movies with people who are, like in an airplane and they're talking, uh, like they're talking and it's all garbled intentionally. Yeah. 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 Do yeah, it. yeah. I can't understand what they're saying. So I have a, uh, an auditory processing <laughs> issue with, if it's too much noise, I can't make it out. Right. Anyway, that's what kept you out of the special forces, right? Well, I did not know. <laughs> I did not know. Shoot him. That I had, <laughs> had this issue. And my first job was working for, um, a taxi dispatch at 14 at 14. I was, <laughs> I was the dispatcher for jet taxi in Spruce Grove. Um, so my first day I, they explained everything. I understood <laughs> it. And then I started I'm talking. Amazed. I, I would get the calls. I would, uh, try and dispatch. And there was a real problem. The guy would respond and I say, say again, say again. Cause I, I was having this enormous problem. So that was my first day. And my last, and your last day. day, I'm going I like, I, kid. I can't do this. Cause I kept asking them to repeat cause I could not under. So some of them had, some of the taxi drivers had some sort of, you know, there was a, quite a range of accents, which right. made it a little bit more difficult, sure. even if I had had them in person, but I could not understand what they were saying. Right. So fundamental job requirement of a person talking on a radio is to be able to hear people That's you're right. talking to. So how the hell did you get hired at 14? To be a, a taxi dispatch. That, you know, that seems like it would be like a full-time kind of career job. Is Spruce Grove in the, in the day? In, in the 70s. Yeah. Well, they have so. like four cars or something. It was, yeah. Small it was, cab company. It was, yeah, it was not good. Unreal. And uh, yeah, <laughs> awesome. I mean, it, my, so I had, I had two false starts and when I, at 14, I, okay. I, I think I worked for Dairy Queen for a couple of days and Scott but I had already had a job working as a dishwasher at at a steakhouse called Mr. Oh, yeah. Mike's. I did uh, I I did dishwashing at Mike's Submarine, which was uh, same but different. Yeah. Same but different. And <laughs> yeah. uh, so Mr. Mike's was like the steakhouse. Right. It was like a cut above Bonanza. But I remember uh, they're still around. Right. They are still around. They've they've gone a little bit more upscale. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I started working there and I discovered that I also had a very, I was a bit lazy, um, especially, <laughs> and, uh, I had a very understanding manager who was very sympathetic and gave me all kinds of opportunities to work harder. And basically I, I, I work a lot harder because of her. Oh yeah. And, um, but I decided I wanted to try and work uh, two jobs at the same time. Okay. Uh, so I tried Dairy DQ at the same time and um, 
that didn't go so well. So <laughs> I, I quit right away, especially they wanted me to pay for the training or I can't remember. It was some weird thing Oh man, where, you know, you, you, you go and you work for a certain number of hours and that goes to pay for your uniform and whatever. So, uh, anyway, I said, I don't need this. I got a better job over there. I was earning about this. I was earning like next to nothing. It was like <laughs> back, back then, you know, I was four bucks an hour or something. Yeah, exactly. But, um, but, uh, but I, I ended up working at Mr. Mike's until I was like 21. So about seven okay. years. Wow. Part time. Worked yeah. my way up from dishwasher to head cook. Nice. So, so that yeah. was pretty good. I uh, I didn't have so much success with. Uh, I guess maybe looking at my professional career, maybe it was an indication because I didn't have a lot of success with long term jobs. The the Mike submarine lasted all summer, and I worked at some scout camps and that worked. Although there's some stories there too, but uh, I, I remember the my favorite quitting of a job. <laughs> oh yeah so i got hired uh, i would have been a little bit older for a uh, uh, convenience store like so in quebec you know Depanard and, yeah, yeah. and really all they sell honestly is cigarettes and, and, and beer that's yeah. i mean the rest of the store is there but and so i got hired on and uh, the guy was like well we'll train you and you know we'll, we're, it's rotation so you'll have to work some weekends but not every weekend and you know, it was all this great stuff right so i did a couple shifts with help and I did my first shift on a Friday night, which was just a disaster because you're supposed to do all these other uh, tasks, right? Like unpack all of the orders, mostly it's beer. And, and that was in a basement. It was one of these systems with like the rollers. And oh, yeah. so the beer would, so it's supposed to be taking care of that, but it was constant people coming in the store. So go down to the basement, start doing something, ding, ding, the bell would ring, run back upstairs, deal with somebody, right? Go back. Like constant, right? So I think I finally got out of there. It was like three in the morning. And they, they, I think they close at one, two more hours just to finish this job, which I'm still like, oh, okay, well. So I got a call from the guy and he's like, oh, yeah, bad news. Uh, you're going to have to do all of the weekend shifts going forward for the rest of like forever, right? And I'm like, what are you talking about? That's not what we agreed to. Yeah, well, the other guy, uh, you know, he's been working here for a while. So I promised him he wouldn't have to do weekends anymore. So I'm like, okay, well, I quit. <laughs> and it's like what and this is about like an hour before i'm supposed to be there i'm like yeah that's a bullshit deal so i'm not coming i'm I'm done man did he get mad he was screaming at me in the phone threatening me and i'm like what are you gonna do make me come and work i quit goodbye right <laughs> <laughs> never got my pay but that's fine but you know these jerk moves right yeah the other one was a landscaping job do you remember when you were a kid did they have the canadian government would do this job placement for students in yeah. the summer. You'd go yeah. down to, it was yeah. manpower. Yeah. Yeah. And they have the board. So I get this landscaping job. Now I don't like landscaping. Never liked working at the garden. I wound up working for this guy from France. And like one day it was just unbelievable how hard this guy and his sons worked and, and not me. <laughs> right. So by noon, I'm like, this is nuts. And like, we're not getting along. He's yelling at me. I'm getting ticked off. So I went and I phoned the, the office from a pay phone uh -huh. and I'm like, yeah, I think I'm about to be fired. So can you start looking for something else for me? Really? And the woman's like, what? I'm like, yeah, this is not a fit. So sure enough, come back from lunch. And he's like, here's 40 bucks. Go away. Get out of here. This is not. And I'm like, yep, yeah, thanks. Okay. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it was hard. I mean, 
the expectations were just not my thing. Mm. So anyhow, but yeah, funny stuff. So something that I think our kids are going to miss out on. Like I know why Victor really wants a job, but I think they're harder to come by now these days for, you know, teenagers. And... Well, I think you need to go places like McDonald's, which is a good place to start. I think so. Um, yeah. I mean, even when I was a kid, it was a good place. It actually, you know, was a place that you could get a starting job and get in, get in, get in. So, yeah, I think there's so many, uh, like the economy is harder these days than it was. And there's so many jobs where adults are not working these well, I think crappy entry level jobs. And it's tough for kids. Fewer, I think there's fewer kids that are taking those jobs. So there's yeah. a bit more, so it's easier to get jobs at like, um, shopping malls and stuff like that. And now with COVID, I mean, everything has kind of been well, that's right. Old, but. Yeah, exactly. So anyhow, yeah. I fondly remember these experiences. Uh, you know, it's a nice juxtaposition to the thing going on. In <laughs> Europe exactly. Right hey, what kind of media are you consuming? Well, other than the horrible news, uh, <laughs> You know, binge was it? What's it called? Doom scrolling. Doom scrolling. What's yeah, going I, on now? I've been, I've been doom scrolling Jesus. like mad. It's just not good. It's like COVID. Nope. Ukraine. Nope. <laughs> what else is happening? Asteroid. Nope. <laughs> uh, saw Uncharted on Sunday. Oh, really? My younger son. Yes. Awesome. Really enjoyed it. Really oh, it's good. It. So it's good. It is good, and and I love the games. In fact, I just bought the original games remastered for on our PS4 and replaying them. And uh, I know you're not a big gamer, but they are, they are fun. Um, yeah. Lots of differences, obviously. And that's the fanboys always complain. Oh, this guy doesn't look like that. Yeah. 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 I mean, some of it was bang on a lot of it wasn't, but the way I heard it described on, on a YouTube channel is like, this is one of the few uh, video game based movies that, it's still a good movie. Like it doesn't try to be just like the game. Mm -hmm. And if you've never played the game or it's still a good, you know, kind of generic, uh, Indiana Jones, uh, kind of type thing, you know, it's, but good enough that it's entertaining without being like, um, well, crappy. Like so many of these video game movies are just, rubbish whereas this yeah. one was actually pretty good so that was fun and of course i'm uh season 11 or not season 11, episode 11 i think of season five or four of the expanse i can't remember season four so that's good Mer merrily trucking along that's awesome. uh did you hear they might be bringing it back i heard that there is some is paramount fun? network and is it hulu or maybe hbo max or both thinking about it that so be that'd be cool very cool yeah yeah um you know you've seen the end so would it lend itself to being re oh there is restarted still, up there's so so uh after book six so okay. the book six is where the tv series ended okay so it was a reasonable termination spot that's it, what you're saying. There's some there's, sort of time jump, right? There's a, but there's a time jump of like 20 years or something like that okay. at, at the end of book six to right. book seven, as I understand it. I mean, I haven't, uh, read the books. I haven't read those books yet. Yeah. Same uh, characters or does it? No, I, I think it's the same characters. It just, uh, okay. 
Um, but there's there's a lot of development of some of the things that were brewing at the end of sure and and so apparently at the end of season three and at the end of season six they both thought that they were being terminated right um, so they kind of wrap things up at that point in time yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so there's a lot of storylines that have been mostly resolved and there are definitely storylines that are unresolved and are easy to develop so so it um it, they could definitely extend it but they don't but if they didn't it would still be good cool well i am looking forward to see if they if they'll do that because man what a great series it is yeah it's amazing what uh, about you well um my wife and i started watching uh in vancouver this series called uh servant I have my M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, really? It's creepy. <laughs> it's like I, I'm. Oh, we've only watched two episodes, but f- first of all, uh, like a lot of M. Night Shyamalan movies, it's it's gorgeous. Right, it's gorgeous to watch, and the filmmaking is amazing. Yep. Um, I have no idea what's going on, but it is weird. Oh, really? Yep. It is weird. I, I'm not going to give anything away in case you watch it, but it is. Uh, it it's there. It, there's kind of some magical maybe stuff that's going on. I mm. I don't know. It's kind of it sounds horror-y, but I haven't seen anything horror filled yet. Right. There is something very creepy about some of the characters and okay. you go like, I don't know why there's just weird stuff going on. It sounds kind of interesting. Yeah. So anyway, so that's we that. Can, we can all use some escapism these days, can't we? Well, and, uh, I, I'm, I'm, uh, the other media I'm consuming, it's actually an audio book. Okay. That I'm really enjoying. Um, my wife and I started listening to it on the way back from Vancouver. Now we started a bit late, so we didn't finish it. So we're going to have to try and uh, find some time to finish it. But uh, it's called Artemis. It's um, it's uh, narrated by Rosario Dawson, oh, yeah. the actress. And she plays all the parts. And she does an incredible job. And uh, it's by the guy that wrote the book, uh, The Martian. Oh that yes, was turned into a movie, right? And um, but this is about uh, this is about uh, somebody in the Artemis. Artemis is the name of the colony, a colony on Mars, uh, on the moon, on the moon, on the moon, on right? The moon. And uh, and uh, how it got there, why it's there, and a whole bunch of stuff. And there's things that happen that you go like, oh, so, interesting. And, and yeah, that great, sounds good. Great imagining of life on a moon. On the moon, colony. yeah. So anyway, uh, I'm reading that book. Like I mentioned, Ray Dalio's new book, uh, how to, how to prepare for the changing world order, why countries rise and fall. Very interesting yeah. so far. So <laughs> don't, don't, don't spoil the end. Yeah. <laughs> China wins. <laughs> um, I think that's it for this week. Right on. What, uh, assuming that we're still all here, what topic do we want to talk about next week? Or or is it too volatile to, you know, we'll make it a what's going on? You know what? Let's, uh, um, I've got a couple of ideas. Okay. We'll text each other and confirm it. But uh, yeah. And um, that's it for this week. Well, welcome back from uh, your your time away. It was nice. Uh, Yeah. Excellent. Good stuff, man. Talk to you soon. Yeah, you bet. Bye. Bye. Bye.